0: Well, there is a glimmer of hope out in the Atlantic Ocean off the uh, coast of, uh, of, of Boston and uh, Canada when it comes to that uh, tourism submersible that was on its way to visit the uh, wreckage of the Titanic. Overnight, um, sound was picked up by one of those uh, sonar buoys that uh, the Navy and the Coast Guard uh, from both uh, America and Canada, really, uh, truly international effort um, to try to find these five people. Um, one of their uh, sonar buoys picked up sound uh, coming from the ocean. So Canadian aircraft has been sent to the area. Last I heard, they were searching an area about uh, about the size of Connecticut. And uh, salvage equipment has been moved in. So um, what initially seemed like a a, a hopeless prospect, there is a glimmer of hope. Still an uphill battle um, because, um, you know, they have enough air to last till maybe tomorrow. But the problem is, even if they do find um, this submersible, um, you know, it's going to take a number of hours to bring it to the surface. The hatch cannot be opened from the inside; it has to be opened from the outside um, and and so i don 't know if that 's something that they can uh, open right away once uh, once that submersible comes to the surface or if it has to be uh towed back to to port on the mainland um, but you know when they say um that it only has so many hours left of oxygen, you probably have to cut that by by 8 to 10 hours because um, once it's found, it has to be brought up to the surface. And it, ha- and it may have to be towed back to the mainland to get the hatch open. Uh, yesterday, I found this very interesting. Yesterday on um, uh, the, the Coast Guard, actually, they had a press conference to give an update. And uh, Tom Costello from NBC asked the Coast Guard representative an interesting question. he said, All right, so even if you find this this lost submersible, will you be able to actually send something down deep enough twelve i 've heard everything from twelve thousand five hundred feet to fourteen thousand feet um, under the, uh, uh, the the surface of the ocean. Um, will you actually be able to send something down to salvage it and the guy from the Coast Guard said. First things first, we're going to focus on finding this submersible and then we'll figure it out, which really is, is the only thing you can do in a situation like this um, because this is, uh, this is uh, an unprecedented event. Um, the, uh, the, the submersible itself um, has not been certified, so this was a risk uh, going into it. And yesterday, I thought Guy was kidding uh, when he told Nick Lloyd and I in the office that the uh, submersible actually was being controlled by a thirty dollar video game remote control it 's not a playstation remote like like it was originally um, reported it 's one of these logitech remotes for for uh, computer games, and that sounds weird, but I guess um, this this controller is used to um, uh, control a lot of things, even military drones um, so but it's, it, 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 it seems very odd that something uh, this high stakes and something with the ability to go this wrong which which it has uh, is being controlled by a a a thirty dollar um, video game controller that kids use to play Fortnite or Roblox or something and it 's funny because in the news article it says logitech was not uh, was not uh, able to be reached for comment. But why would they have to comment on it? I, I, I mean, it's a $30 video game remote. They, I don't think they ever intended it to be used uh, for deep sea underwater exploration. It's not marketed that way, and uh, it's, it's not what it's for. So a glimmer of hope. It's still a race against time. Um, but uh, things are looking slightly more hopeful than they were the other day. So if you were to ask me what my favorite soap opera was, I mean, nobody has, but if you were, I would tell you that my favorite soap opera is the news. It used to be pro wrestling, but the news in politics is actually uh, a lot crazier and uh, a lot more violent than pro wrestling. And uh, in the latest episode as of as the White House turns or White House of Cards, um, two uh, two uh, pretty big revelations, two pretty big stories the other day um from from both families the bidens and and the trumps when it comes to being on the wrong side of the law uh, of course you 've heard by now hunter biden he 's pled guilty to two misdemeanors for not paying over a hundred thousand dollars in taxes that he owned between uh, back in two thousand and seventeen and 2018 and he struck a deal with prosecutors on uh what would have been a felony um him lying on a um a a gun background form slip um about not using illegal drugs when he bought a firearm at the time he was uh addicted to drugs uh he admitted so uh that is normally a felony but it, it that was pled down also uh so uh The prosecutor that he reached a deal with was a Trump-appointed prosecutor. And at this point, they're not uh, going to be suggesting any charges for Hunter Biden. Now, he did pay a large tax bill back in 2021, which might have gone a long way to kind of getting him this, uh, what Republicans are calling, a sweetheart deal. And so this investigation, at least into um, his trouble with taxes and and his lying on a... um, Background check form for a gun uh, that has been closed. However, uh, the DOJ said that investigations um, into um, other dealings uh, between uh, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, um, taking taking bribes allegedly for for political favors those are still those are still open um, at least as far as the House GOP. Uh, pledges the doj is a little bit more vague they said that uh, uh investigations aren't necessarily closed i don't know if they're talking about that i don't know if they're talking about the, the the laptop but uh it doesn't completely seem that uh hunter biden is is out of the woods but he's uh cleared a major legal hurdle uh on the other side of the aisle still on the wrong side of the law. Uh, Federal judge, it was Eileen Cannon, who is overseeing the Donald Trump classified documents case. She has set a date for Donald Trump's trial, August 14th, um, for those 37 counts of unlawfully possessing a classified document. um, Espionage and possible obstruction. That August 14th date is expected to uh, change. And that's obviously much faster than what's happening in New York with the alleged Stormy Daniels hush uh, money trial, which is actually set for March of 2024. A lot of buzz going around about this interview Donald Trump did with Brett Baer, um with people thinking that uh, he might have admitted to obstruct, uh, obstruction of justice when it came to tampering with the boxes of classified documents after he was subpoenaed by the National Archive. And but why things? not just
1: hand them over to them? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nari yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. Uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. A, I would say much, much more. Not that I know of, but not that I know of. But everything was declassified.
0: There you go. An admission smoking gun. You tell me, text me 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Late for a break. Be right back. First thing with Mike Parsons. All right, you're listening to first thing with Mike Parsons. Yesterday, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, uh, he struck a cautiously optimistic tone after his trip to China where he met with President Xi Jinping Short meeting lasted about 35 minutes, but uh, how much progress was actually made? Uh, the direct military line between the two superpowers has not been reestablished. And now we're getting reports that China and Cuba are actually working together to build a military training base in Cuba. Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, and you see him all the time on Fox News. He breaks down the trip and... Uh, and uh, handicaps it with Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson.
2: The administration certainly had very low expectations here. What they really wanted to do was just start talking again. And the Chinese, I mean, they really wanted to speak to the Secretary of Treasury and the Secretary of Commerce because of uh, economic issues. And and you actually mentioned the point that uh, they have most concern. I'll come back to it. But the administration insisted that they had to begin talks again with their our top diplomat, Secretary Blink, and they held out for that the Chinese conceded so talks will take place with the Secretary of Treasury and Secretary of Commerce next. The Chinese have have a cold shoulder towards talking to the Secretary of Defense. you know we're trying to establish sort of a crisis management mill to mill communications like we had with the Soviet Union, not so much as formal as a red phone, but where one or the other could pick up the phone in case there's a mishap or misinterpretation, the Chinese have shut that down. And I think the reason for that is, you know, the military is sort of on the front line of this relationship where the tension is the highest, and that is uh, in the Indo-Pacific region, and you can see that with the intercepts that the Chinese are are conducting in the near mishaps. But they just don't want to deal uh with the military because they're just so frustrated with us in terms of our what they perceive to be as our aggressive in the, aggressiveness in the region that's literally it's laughable because they are the aggressors here uh for sure so the outcome is more negotiations and likely uh, a meeting with uh president xi and president biden uh, at the uh asian pacific conference in, in the fall or at the g20 uh conference uh uh, in India but that that's almost a certainty that 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 will take place as a result of this meeting
3: General Kane uh, this is Lloyd Jackson did did they get any insur- uh, assurances uh about uh the war in uh the war between Russia and Ukraine uh because did we talk to them about China possibly you know arming uh Russia with with uh with weapons
2: well, what we do know is, yes, they did talk about the war in Ukraine, China. Uh, you know, China's position on the war in Ukraine is that they want to help to find a peaceful solution. You know, that's their advertisement. Uh, we did catch them at at uh, contemplating and making the decision to help uh, Russia with military weapons. We exposed that intelligence and they pretty much have, have shut that down. They do other things. Third parties, they do provide commercial drones. They do provide some low-tech chips and such to try to help Russia. And certainly buying Russian oil at the degree that they ramp that up is uh, significant, significantly helping them with avoiding uh, sanctions. But in terms of direct military aid, uh, that's, that does not appear to be in the offing.
3: General, uh, in, in conclusion of, of his meeting yesterday, Anthony Blinken told NBC that he wants to consider the spy balloon. Uh, episode a closed chapter uh, but made it clear that it must never happen again that may be fine but is it a chapter we should be closing given the fact that today in the wall street journal we learned in an exclusive that china is planning a military training installation on the island of cuba a mere hundred miles off of our coast and i wanted to get your take on that as well
2: yeah well on the spy balloon i mean for the life of me i don't know why we we haven't really exposed the the knowledge and the equipment and the photos of of what we captured as a result of bringing up from the sea, uh, the spy balloon uh, technology, you know, that we shot down. I I mean, the, the Chinese to this day have maintained this bold faced lie that this was a scientific research project that accidentally got off course. Now we know that makes no sense in view of the fact that it sat over our nuclear field, in the Northwest, you know, for multiple days, and then managed to transition the United States from one military post to another, uh, gathering more information. And, and we should have exposed that lie. And I, and I disagree with the administration. The, the obvious reason they're not doing it is because they didn't want to make this issue that, that provoked China and continue this issue. But it was such a bold, Violation of U.S. airspace, and we discovered there were three other violations prior to that. Mm-hmm. That I, I think we should have cemented that issue internationally, and taken that lie away from China. What's happening off our coast uh, is back in 2019, the Chinese uh, w- moved from a rel- relatively low uh, signal site that they had, and to four. Uh, sites that they've established there, multiple sites. Signals intelligence for our audience means that they're attempting to monitor radio radio and telephone communications, uh, satellite and Internet transmissions as well That they have very sophisticated equipment. I'm not certain we know exactly how sophisticated it, what they have there is. But our capability to do this is eye-watering, and we can't get into the details of that. But certainly yes that's that's number one. they already have that capability there to a certain degree. Number two is they're talking about putting a training facility which means troops uh you know on on the island of Cuba. Now we have a navy based on that island as well, so there's things that we right. can do to counter what they're doing in terms of their eavesdropping. But I think this is China kind of poking us in the eye here. Because, uh, you know, Taiwan is 100 miles off the coast of uh, mainland China. And we've got uh, hundreds of troops there helping, at least 100, yeah. helping the, to train the Taiwanese.
0: So there we go. Retired four-star General Jack Keane, uh breaking down Antony Blinken's trip over to China to try to um, thaw relations between the two superpowers. And uh, like I said, Blinken kind of playing shiny, happy people right now, but I think um, we'll know that things are 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 really um, making progress um when we see two things happen: Number one, reopening of that military line that was shut down uh, between China and the United States. Uh, China shut it down when Nancy Pelosi made her trip over to Taiwan. And an actual meeting between President Biden and Xi Jinping, as you heard uh, the general say there, possibly at one of these two big conferences before the end of the year. Um, when I see one of, of those two things happening, um, I'll, I'll be a little more um, optimistic on, on relations between uh, the United States and China. And uh, what he said about the Cuban Missile uh, Listening Base and its parallels to Taiwan, I thought were also very illuminating. Got to take a break. Be right back. So body mass index, or BMI, may lo- no longer be the be-all, end-all when it comes to measuring weight and health. Dr. Aja Shajnahan, Director of Public Health for Corwell Health's Beaumont Hospital, Gross Point. Talks to Chris Renwick. You know, it was 1800s. A Belgian mathematician, statistician, came up
4: with this formula to to accurately figure out what the average man's size should be. It wasn't until about 40 years ago that a physiologist came up with the BMI, the body mass index. Um, and And that's, there are different, uh, obviously the 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 BMI scale is sliding, and wherever you fall, um, I think a lot of people think that 's generally an indicator of your health. The higher the BMI, the more unhealthy you are the lower the bmi the the the, the healthier you you tend to be but there 's a new study put out by the american Medical association they 've adopted a new policy on the BMI saying that significant limitations associated with widespread use of BMI in clinical settings and citing its historical harm as a reason for maybe looking at a different metric to predict or look at somebody's health. Dr. Asha Shahjahan is the Director of Public Health for Corwell Health Beaumont Hospitals in Gross Pointe. She joins us uh, this afternoon here on WJR. Uh, Doc, good to have you with us. It, it it seems from the reading that I've done that doctors have looked at BMI maybe with a skeptical eye for quite some time. Uh, it, it seems that many doctors believe that that shouldn't be the only number, the only statistic that you would look at to determine somebody's health. And now it sounds like the AMA is following suit.
5: Yes, absolutely. Chris, thanks so much for having me, first of all. But yes, and doctors have been looking at several other factors that really indicate that you might be at risk for health uh, health problems and um, having more chronic conditions. So some of these things could be things like looking at your fat composition, your muscle mass, your bone density, um, you know, your race and, and your sex, if you're male or female, uh, looking at things like your triglyceride level. And the area when we're looking at fat, more and more doctors are looking at the abdominal fat or your waist circumference as an indication because the different races they carry fat in in different areas so for example um the body mass index is really like giving a lot of asians the advantage because uh, they may have a larger waist circumference but their overall bmi would be considered to be normal but then they're still at at risk for possible heart disease whereas more african-americans Carry weight in different areas, um, maybe not so much in the waist, and it's putting putting them in a category of obesity when the an Asian who maybe has a different BMI could actually have the same uh, risk factor.
4: Yeah, and it's all about body type, right? So if you carry it in your glutes and your thighs, um, your your BMI would still be elevated, but you're not carrying it around your organs. You're not carrying it around your heart, your lungs, your chest. Um, and then vice versa, if you're carrying all the weight up top and, and, and less on the bottom, um, the, the increase again, BMI still high, but y- you may be even at a greater risk for different diseases, heart disease and, and all of those things. But what, what do you think this means from an AMA perspective that they're adopting these new, um, uh, uh, the, the, the way that they're going to look at BMI and how they're um, maybe approaching other ways to look at health?
5: I think it's fantastic that uh, the AMA has made this statement because I think a lot of insurance companies, a lot of um, ways that we measure people's eligibility for things, so for example, weight loss surgery or even getting um, joint replacement, knee surgery, people look at your BMI um, as a risk factor. And then also being uh, like um, having life insurance, like Mm -hmm. a lot of these things that are kind of uh, a little bit more On the screening side, if the AMA is saying this is not a good screening tool, then um, hopefully pretty soon uh, the insurance companies and others will follow suit.
4: So what should people, uh, if they want to come in and whether they're coming in for physical or whatever it is, um, and and they want to take a deeper dive, maybe outside of of their their body mass index, their BMI, what kind of questions would they need to ask?
5: So one of the things is 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 to make sure that you know what your uh, waist circumference is. So a good indication this is like this is just rough is that your waist circumference should be about um, half of your of your height. And so if you're like six feet tall, it should be like thirty six inches, if you're like five four, like thirty two inches. So just knowing asking your doctor, hey, is my waist circumference okay for my for my height, that's one thing. Mm. The other thing is, is that if, let's say your BMI is elevated and you're not really sure like am I at risk or not, the best thing about the BMI is that it might be an indicator to, okay, let's now look at other things. So making sure your triglycerides aren't high, your good cholesterol is not low, your sugar isn't high, your blood pressure isn't high, your liver enzymes aren't high. So I think the thing is, is like, if you're like, hey, I'm not really sure, it says my BMI is high, But I'm not sure with all this data coming out, like if I should be worried about it, make sure you get those other tests done, because those tests are going to tell you if you're at a higher risk for a heart attack um, and or if you might have visceral fat in different areas.
4: You know, the other thing I was thinking of when I read this story, I mean, this feels and and maybe it it, I think people do find comfort in in numbers like this. They uh, maybe if it's elevated, they don't find comfort in it. But but certainly the, the it's a barometer. Right. I think people can right. say, well, I have an elevated BMI, so I need to lose weight. So my BMI goes down. And I think that's a comforting thing for people. But but medicine changes. I mean, health changes so frequently. I mean, the the, the fact that it's taken, you know, 40 ish years to to really establish from a from a, uh, uh, you know, an AMA perspective uh the American Medical Association perspective that, that maybe there are other factors that we can look at to identify people's health. I mean I think that only speaks to the the, the ever evolving world of medicine, doesn't it?
5: Absolutely. I think the thing is is that in general when it comes to medicine, you can't take one measure um into account. Like when you look at someone for their health it's like you have to look at the whole person that's we always say that you have to look at mind body spirit all of these things and so same thing with the numbers you can't just look at one number itself we have to look at numbers in conjunction and medicine is always changing because we do make advances which is a good thing because we don't want to be doing things. yeah we don't don't need to
4: be stuck in neutral that's for sure
5: exactly so even though it's frustrating for people like oh well, now this isn't working or that is like people get frustrated like they and then people want to throw in the towel but my advice is that the ever evolving way that medicine goes is it's good for us. The advances are good for us. And the more that we learn, the more that we should share, the more we should evolve. And so, um, you know, medicine isn't static and we as humans are not static. So we have to be adaptable to some of these changes and it, it will benefit us in the long run.
0: There we go. We got to figure it out. All right. That was Dr. Ajla Shashnahan talking about, uh, uh, changes to the BMI, uh, uh index. And uh, we have a minute left here. Uh, We're bringing Guy Gordon Show producer Nick Roddy. Uh, So, Nick, Henrik Zetterberg has been uh, named to the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame along with Rip Hamilton and and others. But at uh, 3 o'clock today, the NHL is going to uh, announce their 2023 Hall of Fame class. And Henrik Zetterberg is is eligible. Do you think he's a, a Hall of Famer? As much as I want to say yes, I don't think he is. I mean, he, the, he doesn't have the stats to get in, although it is the Hockey Hall of Fame, so like, his international stats, his international Ooh. career also count to it. He has an Olympic gold medal. Uh, he was great in the postseason, but he's only got like, let's see, he's got 337 goals in his career. Now, he, if you're judging people on being a seventh-round pick in the NHL, he should be in, but I don't think he is. Yeah. And I agree with you. I mean, that is a good point about it being the hockey hall of fame and it being his, his entire career. But I think he's one of those guys that, uh, he, he, he's like beloved here in Detroit and he definitely belongs in the Michigan sports hall of fame. But yeah, going back and kind of looking at, um, you know, some of his stats, he, he made three all-star games, which isn't that much. I think there's a lot of recency bias on our part and, uh, I definitely don't think he's getting in early, and I think it's going to be uh, close if he gets in at all. Uh, be back with uh, Lloyd, Guy, and more with Nick as we wrap up this episode of First Thing with Mike Parsons. Our home stretch here on First Thing with Mike Parsons. Finally decided to bring the real brains of the operation in here. Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and you heard from Nick Roddy just a second ago. And uh, I- I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, obviously because if you're not here I don't have a job. But also Oh
3: uh, no, you would have a much longer <laughs> job. <That's laughs> yeah. You would have an extension. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, right. Well hey, here's the thing, I'm out of things to talk about, so you guys take over. There you but, go. Uh so you know, guy, you're 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 obviously the news nerd uh not only of the show, just out of everyone that I've met uh ever. And <laughs> Well
3: and, and, I, That was a compliment. Thank you. That was yeah, a compliment I guy. Think
0: <laughs> and uh, yesterday, you were uh, you were ahead of the curve uh, on this this Brett Bear interview that Donald Trump did on Monday. And you know it takes a little time for stuff uh, for, for for stuff like this to make the rounds and for there to be To digest, yeah, yeah and for there to be a buzz. And uh, there's this clip going around that a lot of people are saying uh, is Donald Trump actually um, admitting to him um, tampering. With uh, the the uh, classified documents found in Mar-a-Lago, uh, cut two, please, guy.
1: And you why f- not just hand them over to them? Because I had uh, boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nari yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. Uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. A, I would say much, worm. much more. Not that I know of, but not that I know of. But everything was declassified.
0: So, yeah. So, yeah. so Guy and Lloyd, uh, I ask you guys, was this former President Donald Trump admitting on national TV that he tampered with uh, the boxes of classified documents?
3: Well, you know, my mortgage uh, papers, all of those important papers, I always keep them with my... Uh, Nuclear secrets? Yes. Yeah. I always keep them with my polo shirts and my shorts.
0: Uh, it's next to the flower uh, <laughs> by the
3: uh, Iran uh, attack plants. <laughs> yes. So there, there's a lot of things going on there. First of all, if you hear it through the ears of someone who is a Trump supporter, it makes perfect sense. I, I had to separate out those documents. If you're hearing it through the ears of someone that's looking for, for evidence in a legal case, that is an admission that he had close contact and was intimately involved in the packing, unpacking, and review of those boxes. He would have seen the classified documents, and he instantly should have blown the whistle on him and said, Whoa, hey, wait a minute. And then you saw an artful sidestep when he said... What what about uh, turning this stuff in? Mm-hmm. He goes back to the but my personal stuff was in there. At that point, it doesn't matter. The minute you see these, these classified files, you, so I, I'm sure some prosecutors are now cutting that soundbite, well, or they could ask you for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll just email it <laughs> to them. There you go. Subpoena me.
0: <laughs> but but it is it, anything he says. You yeah. know whether it's in the town hall or whether it's in an interview on Fox News,
3: it's admissible in court, right? Anything you say can be held against you in the court of law. And this is the dilemma for his attorneys. This is a man that's running for president. This is a man that's going to be asked about the boxes again and again and again. And he's going to give both um, evasive answers that are going to be played in court. He's going to be giving answers like he said that they were declassified, which they've got him on tape saying that at least one document wasn't. And they believe they've got 30 other documents that weren't classified either because there's no paper trail that he'd done that.
0: Well, and this, and this is what everyone's saying. They're saying this is exactly why it's so hard for him, him to find counsel uh, because he just won't shut
3: up. Well, that, that's it. And it. But can you tell a man running for president to be quiet on issues that he's going to be asked about uh, repeatedly? You can't. Right. And like you said yesterday,
0: you know, it, Brett Baer, I, I give him credit He, uh, you know, is a Fox News interview. A lot of people think, well, it's Fox News. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a friendly venue. Um, but, you know, you, you look at that interview he did with Sean Hannity, where Sean Hannity's like, this doesn't sound like you. You would never do this. And Trump's like, yeah, I would do it. And I have the right to. And then you see Sean Hannity like, Work with me here, man. <laughs> you know, Brett Bear. Yeah. Brett Bear actually, uh, he actually was a journalist he and held his feet to the fire. Yes. Great
3: job. He also caught on uh, to a lot of things. For instance, during the interview, President Trump said, uh, I-, "I think there should be death penalty for convicted drug dealers." And Brett pointed out, "Well, what about Alice Johnson, who you granted clemency to? You granted clemency to her. She was a drug she was dealer. A drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, no question about it. Slam dunk conviction." You would have killed her first, and then granted that pardon. How would that have worked? And uh, you know, he picked up on a lot of inconsistencies yeah. in some of the presidency answers.
0: So good for you, Brett Bear. Um, I was just talking with Nick about uh, some of these names uh, from the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame, and it's it's a good it's a good class this year. You got Mike Emmerich, um beloved broadcaster, uh, Ryan Miller. Um, a, he uh, played at MSU and he had a good, uh, a pretty good career as a goaltender uh, for for the Buffalo Sabers. And then you got Richard Hamilton and Henrik Zetterberg, who I feel are rip, 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 yep. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you Let's go. Back no, in days, back in the days when we actually knew who we were playing What for? the Pistons,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I. I, I don't well yeah point. I don't
0: think I don't think any uh, Pistons are going to uh, uh, make uh, the the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame but Henrik Zetterberg and rip Hamilton are, are are perfect examples of guys who are perfect for the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame They had good careers mm-hmm. but not Hall of Fame careers um, when it comes to their overall yeah. you know NBA or or, or the NHL and they were big contributors though yeah and I, contributor I, I mean those going to work Pistons, uh, like you said, um, you knew who all five of them were. Even behind Rip Hamilton's mask, you still, <laughs> you still, right. you still knew who he was. That's uh, right. All right, Guy Gordon coming up right after.